0: It's got it in the end zone. A touchdown! Garrett looks left. Garrett gonna throw for the end zone. Cut! It is caught.
1: Touchdown! Welcome to the rest stop. It's April twentieth, twenty twenty one. I'm Brad Restituto. Spencer Ostrovsky with me every Tuesday and Thursday, nine to ten o'clock Pacific time. Make sure you watch us live on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football at Brad the Believer on Twitter and Brad Restituto on Facebook. Give us a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer on there. Got a good show for tonight. Of course, the big news around the entire country. The Derek Chauvin murder trial, the verdict is in uh in Minnesota. The Minneapolis cop uh was found guilty today. So me and Spencer the Wiz will give you our opinions on that and some some Twitter feedback from some people. Uh, of celebrity status that chimed in on what they thought about that. Of course, the the, the biggest news uh, of the day today with such significance, especially what we've gone through as a country here in the United States over the past year. So we'll get into that. Big NBA news, NFL. Also, um, you know, college basketball. The number one recruit, Chet Holmgren from Minnesota. He commits to Gonzaga. So Gonzaga may be continuing on their winning ways with the number one overall recruit. Me and Spence talked about him a couple months ago, and we'll get some of his highlights and give our opinion on Gonzaga and see if they could continue their winning ways. Underhead coach Mark Few with number one recruit Derek Chauvin. We'll talk some of the NBA scores and highlights from tonight. And more NBA, just Steph Curry. He He's really carried the Warriors on his shoulders. He was great again last night in a big road victory against the nine-point-favored Philadelphia 76ers. I think I know how Spence feels sometimes about the Sixers, so we'll discuss that as well. A lot of pretenders uh, going into playoff season when you're looking for contenders down the stretch as the NBA playoffs are really uh, less than a month away as we only got 15 games or less in the regular season. So not only do we have NBA, Steph Curry, MVP talks, Mount Rushmore of NBA, but before we get into that, Spence, I've got to tell you, Something that before we got on the air tonight, something I watched that's kind of mind blowing has nothing to do with sports. But hang tight here for a second. It's called the Perfect Lie. It's one of those 2020 um, kind of documentary type things. Uh, are you familiar with with what I'm talking about, Spence? Something that's like on 2020 Dateline type issue. Have you ever seen anything like that?
2: No, I, I have no you no know idea, idea what about. I'm talking
1: about. Okay, I it's live under the a rock. Lie. Okay, the Perfect Lie and what a Dateline documentary is. Is Okay, so it has a big catchy tune, and it tells this great story at the beginning. It's like, okay, and then it has this climactic, dramatic middle and ending that's just supposed to kind of shock you. So to tell you about this story, Spence, it was about a couple uh, that were married for many years in their late 20s, early 30s. Happy couple. Everything on the outside looking in was great. Uh, The guy's name was Mark Winger. His wife was Donna. And they had a, a great dynamic. The family Uh, of her got along great with the husband, which doesn't always happen and vice versa. They adopted one child because uh, the wife couldn't have kids. So the child was very young and apparently there was this big murder, Spence, and how the murder was described is somebody broke into the house and was killing the wife, Donna with a hammer. The husband, Mark came in and shot him in the head. um, But the wife had already been killed. And he apparently had this elaborate way to cover this up. And he, you know, this guy was a driver for a driving company and he ended up filing a wrongful death lawsuit. This late, this girl's family, of course, loved him. They thought no way he could ever do this. Right. So he had this young girl that they adopted less than three months old. that now he's caring for as a single daughter, uh, a single dad as his his now deceased wife has been killed and he was looked at as a hero. This was in Springfield, Illinois, looked at as a hero that he came in and saved uh, attempted to save his wife and killed this man in the process. So Spence, as the story continues to move forward uh, this guy, Mark, who now is a widowed single dad invites or hires a nanny, a, a young, good looking nanny to come in to the dynamic to help care for the child because he has to work and you know he has a he has a life and he needs a little bit of extra care so he h- hires this nanny to help with this newborn daughter okay Spence so as time continues to go on now in, in less than a year this widowed husband single dad mark and this nanny her name is Rebecca start to get in this romantic relationship as she is the live in nanny and she's you know very attractive woman he's you know not Mr. Super Attractive or seems charismatic, but it seems to be a nice guy that was looked at as a hero. Ch- puts the charm on this Rebecca. They start a romantic relationship and in less than a year, he convinces her that they need to get married. And he talks about giving his life to de- Jesus Christ. He was he was a, a born and uh, practicing Jewish man before this, but changed his life to be a Christian man and gave his life to de- Jesus Christ. Talked about how him and his wife were having this Godly relationship, and they should be together. So they got married right around a year after his wife was murdered, allegedly. And they started their own family, Spencer the Wiz, and had uh, two daughters, a son. And now this is a family of four with these two. And this guy is living his life, and years go by, Spence. And uh, of course, there's some other little details to the story. Uh, But after the, the kids get older, and remember there's two people that died here this guy that was apparently the driver that was killing the wife but it was all it all took basically long story short spent it, it all turned out to be a big setup this guy was set wow. up coming to come into the house and he was going to execute both of them and blame it on this wow. guy his name was Roger and so this guy Roger has been thought of the one that that was that killed this wife with the hammer and the husband came in and and killed him and lo and behold This was all a ruse. This is all set up. So this guy for almost 10 years was thought to to kill this Donna Winger, and, and he was not. So his family had to live with the fact, thinking, the perception that this man had killed this lady, and it was all a ruse. This guy had set this up, and it came out almost 10 years later by a chance encounter with him and the nanny that was his new wife ran into the ex-best friend of the Donna, his first wife. There was an affair, Spence, between this Mark and the best friend that was oh kept a secret goodness. for many years. This came out many years later. She goes to the police, talks about the affair, and that got the ball rolling on a closed case that this guy was a potential subject or uh, uh, suspect, Spence of the Wiz in this murder. So he goes to trial. He's convicted of this murder, and during the trial, Spence, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s, in Springfield, Illinois, he this Mark guy, the nanny that was his new wife, and he she was still supporting him at this time. Spence having his back had no reason to believe that he was a manipulative, lying murderer. He was a great father, never showed any anger, was was a great husband, and he was convicted of this crime. So, at the at the end of this, Spence it showed the children all grown now, like in their 20s, mid to late 20s. And, and having to accept the fact that all these home movies of this great father when we were, you know, one years old, two years old, had this great lie manipulated our mom into marrying him and having three kids and now spending the rest of his life in jail. And the, the reason I bring this story up, Spence, is it's tough for me to really encapsulate the the depth of what I saw during this. You'd really have to watch the whole thing and see all the details for yourself to really kind of get the full effect But anytime any of us out there listening to this show or you or myself uh, sometimes think life is bad or rough, sometimes things will put in perspective that someone always has it worse. Someone always has it worse than you do Um, because we're here, healthy, able to speak to each other and talk sports. Um, And I just got done watching something of a family of, of five one mother, single mother now, four children. Luckily, the siblings have their self, but they have to deal with a father that is a convicted murderer and lied to them their whole life and carry around that this person, uh, they cannot change their DNA. They've changed their last name, but this is something they have to live with for the rest of their life. And to be able to carry that weight and still be able to kind of compartmentalize that aspect of your life and to push forward and to know that Uh, I still want to kind of contribute not only to the life of my family, my siblings, but society is not only a heavy weight, but it takes a lot of courage. And it's courage that I don't know that everyone can handle. Uh, So I applaud people that have gone through a lot of very difficult times and tough times. And something like this is almost unimaginable to be able to, um, you know, wrap your emotions and mind around and I I know it's not sports related to start the show off, but it really kind of put things in perspective, Spence, when you think about it, not only what those people went through, what this guy did, but that there are a lot of people out there that are that demented and twisted where they can somehow wrap their mind and justify not only the type of crime and devastation. But the, the emotional manipulation involved as well to move on that way and, and totally impact five other people's lives in that way, Spence, after you've already killed your first wife.
2: Give me your thoughts, Spence. Wow, well, quite the story there. Uh, but there is evil in this world. I mean, there's no two ways about it. They could be, I mean, you can look at the whole like Ted Bundy case too. When it first came out, you know, about some of the things he may have did, a lot of the guys who went to church with them were like, No way, this guy's the nicest guy in the world. I mean I couldn't imagine going through something like that. <laughs> I, I can't even think of, about like if one of my family members had done something like this. Much less Makes your you father. Wonder. Yeah. No kidding. I really it's like a horrible thought to even have in your head, but clearly it was a reality for these people and he probably was a really nice dude. We don't know that the ins and outs i don't know if he made me slip up at any point in suspicions doesn't really seem like it so <laughs> you know the thing is you're right there is always something worse out there and it's just you just have to appreciate every day that you have with every interaction with every friend and every family because it can be gone in the blink of an eye obviously in his wife's case and but you know every other situation in the country too Spence,
1: you just hit the nail on the head. Okay. And, and this is the, the resounding message that I want to give out to anybody that may listen to this is life is a series of minutes, moments, and hours. And if we can really slow that down and, and try to make our decisions uh you know in in a very precise and calculated way, uh, where you know that's not always gonna happen, but try to have the greater good involved in the choices that we make and and think thoroughly and I know for me, I I struggle with impulse control, Spence. I I like to make uh, decisions off my emotions in the moment. And that's not always beneficiary for me. Uh, Most times not. Most times not for a lot of people. It's important to really be thoughtful in every choice that you make because there's a lot of other people that can be involved in those choices, um, especially if they're ones that have high risk involved or just risk in general, that risk could be emotional, financial, social. Um, There's many ways to calculate risk. So um, it's just kind of a a message, just like in a sports analogy, when they talk about quarterbacks and players slowing the game down. Slow down life. Slow down life to a series of calculated decisions moment by moment. And not only that, make your decisions based – On tomorrow in the future as well, due to the fact that it can slow down your day. If I if I have my keys in the same spots, Spence. If I have my clothes picked out for the next day, and I have maybe a couple notes of what I need to do, I'm not scrambling around to be rushed to be to my next destination or make my next decision based on me being already prepared for the next moment the next day. So that's something I'm trying to learn and execute in my life. And I know I say that, and then I come uh, get prepared with the show for you 15 minutes before we get on but you know what i've uh, we we were able to do it well we're able to be in sync and i'm very grateful for that um and it's a crazy story and spence the craziness of that story leads me into the big news of today which is derek chauvin uh the minneapolis police officer that was found guilty Today, of course, the big George Floyd uh, murder that happened towards the beginning of this pandemic. And th- like we talked about, Spence and Dave, we're going to get this, I promise, because this is very like me and Spence talked about. This is very open and shut. Nobody should be surprised that this happened. It's huge news. That's why I wanted to talk about it. If you saw the video of the Minneapolis cops, and Spence, I'm waiting for the other one. Uh, I think his name was Chow. Where's his charges at? Because watching that video, it's even more disgusting to watch him stand by and watch George Floyd get killed. Um, but no surprise that every count he was convicted guilty on, Derek Chauvin will be spending probably the most of his uh, adult life in jail um, because of this. And if you look, I, I know a lot of people, it's not just a video that did this, Spence, and I want you to give some of your opinions. But if you do see the video, there's zero question. Uh, at all, that this guy should should have and rightfully was found guilty. Now, I'd like to kind of investigate his partner or whatever, the Chow character, because he's just as guilty for standing there letting the entire thing happen.
2: Uh, yeah, so we were hitting on this before the show, and there's so many things and points to go over here. Uh, the first is – Yes, this was always going to be a, a guilty conviction because we both saw the video. You can both see it was super inappropriate what he did. It was murder, appropriately so, second degree murder. The thing and the issue that I have with all of this is the way that the media kind of took took on this whole thing, and that we everybody in the country knew what this conviction was going to be, right? But the keeping us like hanging on to every detail was inappropriate because it caused a lot of anxious people you know a lot of rustling was going around and that's because the news is there is there for one reason and one reason only the primary reason that fox operates that cnn operates msnbc i don't really give a shit about what other political party it goes into is to make money they are a business they are a for-profit business so if they can keep your attention by telling you that they don't know what's going to happen during this trial then they can do that i mean we can look through all the historical cases throughout this history like this was their verdict was on national television. We have never seen that before. I don't even know how that's illegal. I don't think, as far as I know, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, So I just think that's a really big, big issue. And we need to stop our dependence on these news outlets to give us everything. Like No one's going out and getting their own information. And I actually think even for CNN and Fox News and all these companies, a lot of the great journalism is done in text, not on TV. TV's just tabloids at this point, as far as I'm concerned and i think that was a really big thing here and also when you look at all these cases and people are really outraged over different ones all the time but these kind of murder trials go on all the time this is just one that we've highlighted in particular but these are criminal court cases right like these are judged by our peers and they have the criminal cases every single person on the jury has to agree on uh you know a verdict and in this case i think you know it w- it didn't even take that long but for all these other ones where people get really upset and everything like that, and I think on face value you can see that that was the wrong decision. But you have to think about, right? I mean, the defense is going to make their opening argument, and so is the plaintiff. You know, like they are going to present a case to these human beings about the rights and wrongs. There's are very, there's no set of criteria. Every murder case is obviously extremely different. Evidence is always there, and again, we were hitting on this before: where the kids and the Uber driver they may not see life in jail. They may get out when they're 21 uh, for a numerous amount of reasons. Uh, So that's all I wanted to hit on. But looking forward here, like, I'm glad this happened. I'm glad we can move forward as a country. And hopefully it brings about some peace. It brings some resolution to people who feel, you know, personally affected by this case. And it's great to see something like this because this is a really hard topic, right? Because, if I say if you say something, these sounds like you hate cops and it's just weird that we're so divisive, right? I don't want cops to have the power to be able to do this. And clearly they made a statement today saying that you can't do that. And I just want peace. That's all I'm a pacifist. So I don't like violence. That's all I have to say, you know, really about this just moving forward.
1: Well, look, Dave, uh, Spence may not remember some of these trials. He may, but uh, I think what he was trying to say was not as a whole, the justice system is just because we clearly know that that's false. Uh, I, I think in this case, he was referring to this specific case that the right thing was done, which doesn't happen very often. Dave, you, you, you mentioned it with Rodney King, Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Casey, Anthony, OJ more times than not profile cases are gotten wrong. I couldn't agree more. I think this one's really game changing because the notoriety, the timing, the landscape, the climate of uh, social justice. I think this is huge for cops because Dave and Spence, when they see that Derek Chauvin will never see the light of day, I think it's going to make a lot of people say, look, we we can't just go around uh, thinking that you know we're the Duke of the West and we can just do whatever the F we want. I think people are going to take a, a second step, And be more careful before they pull out their guns and pull the trigger, or they get extra violent uh, or do something really power hungry. Which, in in the way, when you watch the video, that these two officers, three officers conducting themselves. I also think that more people that witness something like this will be more apt to actually physically jump in, even if it means risking their lives. I know um, I'm honestly. I, I do, Spence. I think if somebody saw what happened to George Floyd again, it, it would surprise me if somebody did not jump in and physically remove one of those cops, even if it meant, uh, you know, risking their own life. Because just imagine if that were the case and the cops killed somebody that was trying to save another human being from c- police brutality. <laughs> those cops, not only would they be drugged through media scrutiny, they they it, it would just be a nightmare. I, I just don't. I don't. I see this as a big wake-up call for the police departments all across the United States. I do believe that, and, and I think if it's not, uh, then then the local, federal, and state police departments uh, are doing not only themselves, their reputation, their communities' injustices. If they if they can't get the hiring aspect right from this point moving forward, this has been this has been too public, uh, not only scrutiny but publicized uh, with with some of the injustices that that, that the cops. Uh, All across this country do and they abuse and I think this is really important to try to move forward towards more rights being done all across the landscape of course only time will determine that we can't say that right now Uh, and there's gonna be more there's gonna be more situations like Eric uh, like right the one that just happened Uh, there's gonna be more situations that piss us off and feel like injustice but will it be at the highest higher frequency that it was before and will it be to the level that we've seen before i'm hoping no but only time can really tell on that but this has got to be a wake-up call to law enforcement and people thinking about getting law- in law enforcement all across the united states that this is going to start moving forward as you're not going to get away uh, with abusing your power just because you wear the badge
2: yeah uh and yeah dave perry no offense at all obviously it's just a complex conversation uh but what i was trying to it kind of brings me back to one of the points i was making in that every case is case by case like even if it's on tv there's so many different factors that go into it and it's not always correct like sometimes a, on a wrong verdict may happen but that's what the jury has decided and for whatever reason that's what they came up with uh it's just sad right like even though like the right verdict was happened today these kinds of things may still happen and you just have to hope that there's enough deterrent at some point because there are a lot of great cops out there who risk their rise and do amazing things for people in the world and these are the ones that we see every day unfortunately but this has to stop like eventually you can't this just can't happen every day and if they know that they're going to go to jail for the rest of time for these just cowboy ass decisions and like when you sign a contract to be a cop like you have to know that you're risking your life like you could die any day to do it and i think that needs to be instilled back into it but, like don't shoot first and ask questions later like you need to be willing to risk everything because you signed that contract no matter what the situation may be that's all i'm trying to say
1: that's Spence of the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spence the Wiz. Dave, if you're still around, we're gonna we're gonna jump NFL. Spence, I know we're gonna jump around. We're gonna hit NBA. Steph Curry has been amazing the last month. Uh, a lot of talk, a lot of controversy on uh, some of Skip Bayless's comments on where Steph Curry lands on the route, Mount Rushmore of NBA talent. But let's talk a little NBA draft real quick, Spence, because we are right around ten days away from the draft. Dave is very fired up as about as Miami Dolphins. And there's some interesting scenarios that I heard about what the Dolphins' future could look like at the quarterback position if Tua doesn't make an effective step up this season and, and really kind of positions himself as the guy that's going to lead this franchise for many years. Because the Dolphins will have options they'll to have tons of draft equity and capital moving forward. And what did the Dolphins do at number six? Spence of the Wiz. Dave would love to see Kyle Pitts from the University of Florida fall to them. Teamed with Mike Gesicki. I think we talked about this. I love the option of having two amazing tight ends, having a really good receiver in Devontae Parker. It it gives you so much flexibility in the passing game, in the running game, and with your quarterback to do multiple things to be successful offensively. Uh, I I think – it could be a great snag. I just don't think, Dave, that Kyle Pitts is going to fall to number six to the Miami Dolphins. Quickly, Spence, let's talk about the top ten draft order and kind of let's give maybe our projections off the top of our heads without having notes in front of us. Jacksonville at number one. Can we both agree will probably be Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. Uh, the yeah, at- there's no doubt
0: there.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Jets at number two. Um, I don't know this for sure. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Jets – you know surprise people and go Justin Fields but from all the reports it seems pretty consistent the Jets like Zach Wilson and that's where they'll go with number two what are your thoughts there
2: yeah Zach Wilson I I don't I haven't seen any kind of reports that say otherwise the guy can make all kinds of throws uh he's the second best quarterback in the draft in my opinion so yeah now
1: now guys. of course here's here's where we have the Vegas betting odds going haywire <laughs> and I I, I should have sent you this tweet because uh The guy that started this off for me, at least the first that I heard Mac Jones going to San Francisco was from Michael Lombardi, who of course worked for the Cleveland Browns in in the front office capacity when Bill Belichick was there as the head coach, Nick Saban was there as an assistant. The list goes on of, of high profile guys that worked in Cleveland under that group. I think our Chris Landry was uh, at least a part of the Cleveland Browns organization sometime around that time, but Michael Lombardi was saying that the Niners would be choosing between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota. Uh, And he was pretty confident that Mac Jones would be the guy. And he's come out recently and said, there is no chance that Justin Fields will be the guy Uh, he, that they are not drafting Justin Fields. Uh, And Michael Lombardi went on to pat himself on the back, pretty much talking about how, uh, the average Joe's sources compared to his sources. And look, I'm going to say this again, Spence for the fifth time, and I want you to make sure you clip this and post it right before the draft on our highlight tapes, the San Francisco 49ers, Michael Lombardi, any other expert or anybody with sources out there, they're not drafting Mac Jones. And what sources do I have? And look, I'll go out there and say I clearly must be uh, more football savvy and knowledgeable than these people that have been hired professionally to scout and have sources because your sources are wrong, you are wrong, and you are – I'm sorry, Spence, to, in my opinion, you're a football moron if you think a team is going to trade three quarter, three first-round picks, two first-round picks. I don't care how many first-round picks, any picks in, in in a package variety to move up. To number three, two months before the draft, to draft Mac Jones. A guy that was not in anybody's top five list all the way up to a month after the championship game. What did he do during the time frame that people put him in the top five? And at the beginning of the season, all of a sudden to be elevated into the top three. Do we have a bunch of scouts, Spencer the Wiz, that were sleeping during the entire football, college football season, or they were hiding this Mac Jones secret under a rock where they refused to tell anybody that he was a top three quarterback? Please, you're lying to yourselves. This is not, you're a football moron and nobody does their job in front offices. If all of a sudden, after the championship game, Mac Jones is now a top five quarterback, why? out of where it's absolutely ludicrous and illogical to think that anybody with a football IQ would think that that's a possibility. It has nothing to do with Mac Jones's potential or ability. It's just simple football logic. Okay. He was never projected to go in the top five. Now, if you want to talk about is his value there over Justin Fields and Trey Lance, and I'll say this again, as I continue to say it, Mac Jones may be a pro bowl, fantastic playoff winning quarterback. It's very possible that that may happen. Mac Jones is not coming onto anybody's roster tomorrow and doing something that completely supersedes what your starting quarterback already does. He may be uh, more have a higher IQ. he may have scored higher on the Wonderlick test, but on film Spence, Dave, anybody that's listening, anybody that knows anything about football, on film, he does not do anything that blows you away more than your starting quarterback right now, and especially the San Francisco 49ers quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. Does Jimmy Garoppolo have a lot of questions? Sure he does. Jimmy Garoppolo took this team to the Super Bowl less than three years ago. Okay? You're moving up to number three to get Mac Jones when, it's very, you're, you're, when you probably could have sat – where you were at and drafted him, moved up come draft day. Who else is going to move up? Let's go through the top, let's see, the top 12, Spence, because that's where the Niners would have drafted. Jacksonville, Jets, Dolphins before the trade, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Detroit, Carolina, Denver, Dallas, the Giants, and the Niners would have been at 12. So let me let's go through the list of teams that would move up past Atlanta to get a quarterback, potentially. Would you say the Giants? They would look like the biggest bunch of jackasses in history, taking Daniel Jones, where they took him, and move up all that way to draft a quarterback. When we know Dave Gettleman is not ready to to throw the white flag on Daniel Jones. So that's out of the question, that the Giants would have moved up from 11. Denver? That's a possibility, Spence. Denver's a possibility, right? Because Drew Locke is clearly not the guy that's going to be the future of the Denver Broncos. Um, so they need somebody else. Are, are you convinced that the Denver Broncos in this draft were prepared to move up to number three in this draft with new general manager, George Patton, who, by the way, I know quite well because he was an assistant GM with the Minnesota Vikings for many years. The Minnesota Vikings, who made a draft, quarterback blunder drafting Christian Ponder who have made uh drafted in the first round Teddy Bridgewater who got hurt who have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback George Patton his first opportunity to be a GM in this league for the Denver Broncos you think he's going to give up that kind of draft capital for a Mac Jones at number 3 uh that is very highly unlikely let me tell you ladies and gentlemen i can guarantee you that George Patton as a general manager was not moving up to draft number 3 Mac Jones, not number four, five, or six either. I think Denver is completely content at number nine. So let's go to number eight, or actually the Dallas Cowboys. We know we know that Dallas would not move up with that. Prescott, they're not moving up to draft Mac Jones. There would be no way in blue hell that that would happen. I don't think anybody that's listening or has an opinion would think that would be the case. So the team that might have a slight potential to move up to get the quarterback they wanted, the Carolina Panthers. But what just happened recently with the Carolina Panthers? They've signed Sam Darnold. But before they signed Sam Darnold, were they ready to package those picks and move up to draft a quarterback? Maybe that potential could have been there. What it have been there to draft Mac Jones in the top six, Spence? I think that that's a very far stretch to think with Christian McCaffrey as your running back and what he can do out of the backfield, that they would be moving – out of the top eight all the way to the top three to draft Mac Jones. So I know I've said all this, but give me your opinions on what I've stated so far.
2: Well, I mean, there is outside factors. It doesn't have to be the top 12. The Minnesota Vikings may be interested in moving up to get their new quarterback, and Mac Jones kind of fits that same, you know, zone as Kirk Cousins, but of course he would be on a rookie contract much cheaper, and they could spend the money elsewhere. And the New England Patriots, of course, uh, who had a half-decent season, they re-signed Cam Newton, but clearly he's not going to be there all that much longer. It's like a one-year prove-it deal once again after a horrible season last year. We all know they're tied, and maybe they would be willing to take a Mac Jones that early because uh, Belichick loves his system quarterbacks, and if there is one in this draft, I mean, if you want a Matt Ryan type of prototypical quarterback, he would be there. Look, I mean the argument for Mac Jones being taken third overall is this Kyle Shanahan wants you to be able to make the pass that he sets up for you very much like a Gruden type of offense where the players will be in the position like they read the game they the only thing that Kyle Shanahan and John Gruden can't do is physically go out on the field and make the passes they know where they should go they know where the plays will be they're able to read you know defenses that well that's how good they are on offensive minds and When you look at the way that Garoppolo was unable to make that pass in the Super Bowl, that may have been the final straw for him. He likes that typical quarterback. He doesn't want you to run the ball. He doesn't want you to go crazy. And Mac Jones, obviously, is not going to do that. 77% completion percentage, obviously, is quite good. (laughs) It's something that he would be interested in. Someone who's addicted to film, a film junkie, that would also be a characteristic that he's looking for. Now, is Mac Jones objectively worth three first-round picks? No, he's not that good. He's not... He's probably the third. He's the third best quarterback in my opinion, or the fourth best quarterback. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you have the Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. I don't think Trey Lance is. He has a long way to go for me. Mac Jones is much more NFL ready than Trey Lance, so I don't think Trey Lance is in the conversation at all. You also have to think about it this way: they don't have to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. There's no reason for them to do that. I think they were smart they would take justin fields at the third overall position because justin fields is not ready to start in the nfl next year he has a really hard time anticipating passes and he is really he has really bad pocket awareness and those are things that those are not impossible to learn in the nfl those kinds of intangibles if you even want to call them intangibles are something that i think kyle shanahan could teach him if he played a year behind it Obviously, being able to run is a part of the game. And it just depends on how much Kyle Shanahan's willing to kind of deal with that and maybe teach him not to run until it's the very, very last resort because you're not going to get that out of Mac Jones too often. Although it is worth noting that he did have a, a Mac Jones I'm speaking of, had a better 40 time than Patrick Mahomes did in his uh, NFL Pro Day. Uh, so that's, that's the argument for Mac Jones at number three. I don't think it's impossible, but I don't think he should be the favorite either.
1: Uh, they got Spence drinking the Kool-Aid, ladies and gentlemen, and I will agree with Spence on something he said. Kyle, I, I look, regardless of who they pick, well, I think it's an egregious mistake to make, give up all that draft capital uh to move up to number three to take Mac Jones. Yes, I think it's an egregious mistake. I, I think it's a very bad personnel uh, and front office decision by San Francisco, but I, I won't be completely off the ship because I still, regardless of who they take, I have great respect. For John Lynch, the general manager, and Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of San Francisco, I think they're some of the the sharpest football minds in the entire league at their positions. Uh, Nobody believed in John Lynch uh, getting hired for the general manager position. And with no experience, he's done a great job. um, And I think they'll continue to do a great job, regardless of who the pick is. And I do completely believe that Kyle Shanahan is one of the most ingenuity, ingenuitive, innovative play callers and head coaches in the entire league. And I think he can make almost any quarterback work in his system. Nick Mullins had good stats as a second, third string guy, CJ Beathard. They were competitive in all their games that they were had the backups in. It's not like they got blown out by anybody. So I, I definitely think if Kyle Shanahan gets his guy, they can have success. I just can't wrap my mind around that they would be giving up this much and to move up that high to get Mac Jones. If they wanted Mac Jones, I know that they're smarter to find other ways to get him besides moving up two months before draft day to number three. I know number three secures exactly the guy you want. I just think if they were smarter and wanted Mac Jones, that this is not the route they would go. Spence, let's transition over to the NBA. Okay. Cause the big news, some of the big news in, in conversation today uh, was Steph Curry. But, Spence, do you know what happened here in the Clippers-Blazers game? I know there was less than 30 seconds left. It just went final. The Blazers were up 112-111. I'm seeing a final as 113-112 Clippers. Did somebody hit a game-winning shot for the Clippers tonight in the TNT doubleheader?
2: Apparently. It's actually proven now that I'm a curse for NBA bets. Uh, Well, I'm a curse when I watch basketball games. They never go the way they want. The last two Grizzlies games that I've watched Whereas the Dallas Mavericks game where Luka hit a floater, one-legged game winner. And then the second Grizzlies game I watched was the double overtime loss against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I had two tickets today, and it was – I had the Pelicans over the Brooklyn Nets. No KD and no James Harden. First of all, the Pelicans are the most embarrassing team of all time. The worst basketball team I've seen in my lifetime, which is obviously an exaggeration, but, I mean, golly gee – How do you not win that game by 20,000 points with a fully healthy? They're only missing like Josh Smith as a rotational player. It's unacceptable. They're going to miss the play in game, which is just, it's mind boggling how much better they are. They should be like in the six or seven seed with how talented they are. Uh, But to bring it back to like Steph Curry Uh, Well, obviously, yes, the Clippers clearly did have a game winner. Is is 113-112. I didn't see it, but yeah. I I, I found out what
1: happened. Uh, Paul Paul George got fouled, hit two free throws to put them up by one. 14 seconds left. Uh, The Blazers jump shot by CJ McCollum was off. Clippers secured the rebound and got the win. So that's what happened tonight. And I want you to finish your thought, but quickly let me give uh, tonight's scores out as we had the NBA TNT Tuesday night doubleheader. The second bar to that doubleheader, as we just said, saw the Clippers get their 40th win on the season, uh, 113-112 of the Blazers. Uh, the Hawks, I believe they're in the fourth seed in the East Spence. They're 32-26, and shockingly. Played really well since Nick McMillan has taken over. They beat Orlando tonight 112-96. The Knicks, is that seven in a row for the Knicks, Spence? incredible 109 it is. N-
2: and they play against the atlanta hawks tomorrow which is the game of the year for me
1: all right all right well let's talk about that a little bit later the knicks 10997 tonight julius randall 16 points 10 rebounds spence we're gonna have to go through my twitter in detail because for years i'm talking at least four years i've been on the julius randall hype train talking about him being an all-star and being a better selection than Brandon Ingram and the Lakers should have built around him. It looked very close for a while, but this year it seems like Julius Randle is overtaking uh, Ingram in that conversation. His team not only has a winning record, but he's the leader and an all-star on that team.
2: Yeah, the Knicks are on an incredible run led by you know their coach who has just instilled a winning culture with them. They didn't really know what they were doing. They were just rolling around. No true star players, uh, but they did have a lot of talent on their team and no one really was able to showcase that very well. And every winning team is built on somebody, and clearly he found ways to get the best out of them. He has free reign, he's shooting ridiculous percentage from a three-point. I'm talking about Julius Randle, uh, just for his size, his quickness. I mean, he's able to score in all three levels, which is very unique. He's not like a Kevin Durant or Kyrie where he's gonna be able to get any shot he wants at any time, but I'm talking about your everyday half-court possession. You need a bucket. If you're able to get it, he'll get it for you if you give him enough time. He's not going to be a late shot clock guy, but who cares? I mean, not everybody's going to be that. And then the real story for the Knicks, for me, is R.J. Barrett. Scored 18 in the third quarter tonight. Started out really bad, but, man, that guy just has so many skills that you want out of a basketball team. We talk about so many players in the top 25 and our 25, which we'll get to eventually, I think, in this episode if we have time. But – passing, rebounding and now scoring, he's really adding on to it, especially when he gets the the mismatch on taller players. When you're able to do those kinds of things, that's how you're able to change their offense because you have Reggie Bullock who having a career year at like 32 years old, random enough. Uh quickly obviously is one of the, you know, better shooters from this draft. He's a long way to go in my opinion, but what rookie doesn't, especially one that was drafted so late derrick rose obviously plays very well in Tibbs' system you can say the same thing about taj gibson they've just bought in and the thing is like when you look at the brooklyn nets who were bad for so long they got it together for like what one or two years and that's all they needed to get everyone to go there because people want to live in new york zion williamson was flirting you know this week of, about how much he loved the garden people love it but if the organization if the organization is dumpster fire It's not enough to convince somebody just to live in New York because it'll be torture. Everyone will boo you and everything, blame it on you. Uh, But now that they have this in place, there's no reason that Kawhi Leonard, depending on where the Clippers finish this season, they had a nice win tonight. Not really all that nice because uh, Damian Lillard and Nurkic were out. They should have blown them out. But Kawhi Leonard is not playing very healthy. They're playing almost better without him. So if they have another early-round exit, there's no guarantee that Kawhi is going to stay there. And when you look at a team like the Knicks, why would you not want to play for them when it looks like everyone on that team – is looking forward and wanting to play really hard and are about one star player from way from making a run in the East because the Miami Heat made the finals last year, which is ludicrous. I mean, no one that as untalented as that team was, they should have never had a chance. And Quirety knows how easy it is to make the finals in the East because he went, he blew right through there. I don't know why he didn't resign with the Raptors. So what I'm trying to say is the Knicks make themselves very marketable. They have a lot of picks from the Porzingis trade. And they're just got one or two pieces away from really making that next step forward. A lot of guys on young contracts, too, including RJ Barrett.
1: And Spence, you mentioned RJ Barrett, and he's getting better as the season goes on. And he's really impressive. You mentioned the 18 points in the third quarter, uh, really playing great down the second half of the season the acquisition of Derek Rose seems to be paying dividends veteran leadership in there and he's playing very well in the minutes he's getting it's going to be exciting to watch the Knicks down the stretch they're playing really good basketball at the right time right now and and they're going to be a tough outcome playoff time uh Spence why yeah. we're on tonight's tonight's games before we get to the Curry conversation let's get the rest of the scores T-Wolves they won 134 120 tonight over the Kings. The Kings 23 and 35 on the year, uh, not playing their best ball at this point in the season. Carl Anthony Towns at 26 points, 18 boards. The Timberwolves get a nice win tonight. The Nets, they were the first half of the TNT doubleheader. They beat the Pelicans 134 129. No James Harden, no Kevin Durant, but Kyrie had 32 points, eight assists, and Zion another. Good game statistically 33 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Four assists. Brooklyn gets their 39th win on the season. Spence, before we get to Curry, let's get to some of the highlights of tonight's games, because there were some, some definitely some entertaining action on the uh, hardwood in the association.
2: Yeah, let's we'll start with RJ. You just said 18 points in the third quarter. Let's take a look at one of those buckets.
0: Excellent defense from Bullock. <laughs> Blocks the shot and gets the, gets the ball, hands it off to Randall. Reggie Bullock, excellent defense. Tom Thibodeau earlier tonight calling him the unsung hero of the team, Barrett for three, puts it in. R.J. Barrett lighting it up here in the third quarter.
2: Yeah, the idea of him playing the three and if they can get uh, like Clay Thompson, which obviously we don't know if that's even possible. But someone, a great shooter at the team, uh, I really think they can pull it all together. So I, I enjoy watching them play. I've always kind of followed the Knicks uh, since high school. So it's it's nice to see them basketball. NBA is always better when the Knicks are good. Uh, I will go to that first TV game, Kyrie. <laughs> Pelicans should have never lost this game, but Kyrie, of course, is just absolutely amazing. Irving. Guarded by Marshall aggressively. Irving zips around him and finishes. Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and I think, like, uh, the play before that, you also had a fadeaway. Ridiculous the way the guy's able to score. And... A lot of the criticism for him was that he never played hard without, you know, his other star players around him. And he, he's putting it all in there. Uh, he's a little bit of a strange dude. You know, he takes these little hiatuses away from basketball. But when he's on the court, it's professional, and it's it's amazing to watch.
1: Yes, Ben, uh, that, that highlight you showed there, his ball handling was out of this world, incredible. Incredible is. talent, Kyrie uh, Irving. If he could put it all together with healthy Harden, Durant, Joe Harris – DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, of course, are going to be tough. That's It's just a big question mark. Can, can they all put it together when it counts the most?
2: Yeah, James Harden had another setback today. That was some of the breaking news. Uh, they don't know if he'll be ready for the playoff time yet, so he might be coming back in the middle of the playoffs. And we all know KD, on his return, was injured once again four minutes into the game with a left thigh contusion, whatever that means. They're not going to have – they've only played seven games with each other this season, and they may not play anymore until like – The middle of the first round which is i don't know if that matters i mean they're scoring this many points they didn't have chioza tonight they didn't have uh their other uh, center their backup center which i'm a really big fan of and they just find ways to win but it is the pelicans and they just stink so it's hard to say in reality uh other only other highlight i have tonight is john collins is back he was hurt once again but now he's like when he's on the court he's effective he's going to be one of the more interesting free agents to see if anyone's willing to give him max money because you know, he does stuff like this.
0: About teams, you know, tuning up for the playoffs. How many games did you think it would take to get your razor shop for the postseason? Well, you know, I, oh, whoa, Johnny, whoa. Johnny, Johnny do Collins, it go upstairs and gets it. Nice play there. Here's that last dunk by John. This was nasty. That's the John Collins.
2: Uh, I can't wait for that game tomorrow. It's going to be so good. Two teams, the Knicks and the Hawks, that are just on fire taking over the East, these two young teams, and we'll see who's progressed more. I think they always play a lot of great classics. I remember last year, I think they had like two or three overtime games, and maybe we'll see another one tomorrow.
1: Well, Spence, while you're talking about it, let's quickly hit some of the games on Wednesday's schedule, one that we don't even need to get into, Bulls at the Cavaliers. Uh, The Bulls will be a two-point road favorite. Thunder, Pacers, nobody cares about. Uh, Suns, Sixers, that's an NBA TV game, 4 o'clock Pacific time. No line out there, but that should be a good matchup. The Sixers, who lost to the Warriors here recently. Another exciting matchup. uh, The record-wise, not on paper, but if Steph plays, the Warriors take on the Wizards. Anytime uh, the Wizards are in action, even though they have a terrible record, they're pretty exciting with Brad Beal, Russ Westbrook. And the last time they played, of course, the Warriors had the game in hand. And if it weren't for a four-point play under 20 seconds left, the Warriors would have won that game. Brad Beal hit a a three-point shot, was fouled. Made the free throw, and the Wizards won the game by one the last time these teams met. Nets take on the Raptors tomorrow night. Who knows who will be playing for Brooklyn? Probably Kyrie, as it looks like you mentioned, Spence Harden had a setback. Durant may be out. And here's the game you were talking about. It's got the line set here. Knicks minus one and a half at the Garden. Hawks, Knicks. Uh Spence, you wanted to briefly talk about it. Do Do you have a strong opinion on this game?
2: No, uh, and this oh. is one of those games that I don't want to bet. It's one of those things where I just want to enjoy the basketball game. I Basketball is my favorite sport by far, and this is one of those that you just want to spectate. You don't want to be thinking about your bet. You just want to see a great game and just have fun with it.
1: Again, tomorrow night, Jazz Rockets. Jazz will be an 11-point road favorite in that one. Uh, the Rockets, of course, they're in tank mode along with Oklahoma City, a couple other teams, the Pistons. They only got 18 wins, but Spence, it feels like every time – I turn on the clicker, they're playing a close game or winning. It feels like they have more than 18 wins. They they travel to Dallas tomorrow to take on the Mavericks.
2: Yeah, they're a pretty fun team to watch, too. If only they hadn't made some egregious mistakes in the draft. We'd be talking about a completely different franchise moving forward, but that's just something that they'll live with for a long, long time.
1: 530 Pacific Heat take on the Spurs, 7 o'clock Pacific NBA TV. Your Grizzlies take on the Clippers, Spence Clips. Not watching. On a back-to-back uh clippers could be a spot where they steal one here on the road
2: uh yeah i anytime i watch the grizzlies they lose in miraculous fashion Grizzlies lost like a 12-point lead with three minutes left and of course of course the dallas game so i, I won't watch tomorrow and the, and the grizzlies will win and jaron jackson is questionable now on the injury list i don't he's been out the entire season so he's moved from like being completely out to where I think John Morant may have even teased that he's coming back tomorrow, which sucks. I wouldn't watch the game so bad, but I refuse now. I, I won't Dude. do it. I'll watch the highlights every night. All
1: right, Spence. I'm going to have to text you who your picks might be tomorrow. Your two-teamer. MVP yeah. frontrunner Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. They travel to Portland to take on the Blazers. Blazers, MVP. heartbreaking loss tonight. Blazers on a back-to-back uh, 7 o'clock Pacific tip. And then the Timberwolves against the Kings again uh, in a back-to-back hmm. performance from both teams. Spence. Uh, earlier today, Steph Curry talked about on uh, First Take, or uh, I believe it's First Take or, or First Things First, uh, one of those shows with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Skip Bayless, uh, do you have any of what he said?
0: Any I do, yeah. I'll play okay. it right now. I, I've got Akeem. I've got Oscar. i got yeah, Dr. J. These are all better than Steph right here, right now. I've got David Robinson. You, you think not? No. Carl Malone, no. second all-time leading scorer. No. Right? Oh, stop no. it. No i got Bill Walton in No! Oh, stop it! No! You have no idea what you're talking stop. about. Do you remember Bill Walton? I do! He dominated pro basketball the way very For few are dominated. Years. He got hurt. That's, that's I, my take point. It. Did he not dominate a finals, just take it He's over? Kept. He took it over. He was the runaway MVP. Regular season finals. I haven't seen that from Steph yet. I haven't seen him take over in the biggest moments. I'm sorry. I still have Dirk in my top, in my second 10 and be the top 20. Did, did he not win finals MVP? He won finals MVP. Yeah. Skip, he's exactly. not better than Steph. Yeah. Was Jerry West, I'll, t- I'll t- put Jerry West Jerry in there. West he's is better, better right he now, than, than, now than, Steph? than Steph. I'm sorry. Steph? Yes, he is. He's just better. Well, you must have him in your top 10. You're discounting no, everybody no, out of my second No, no, 10. no, no, no. I, I skip, I just told you I got him somewhere around 12 or 13. Okay. But I, I believe.
1: Spence, uh, Skip Bayless talking about Curry not hitting big shots, big moments. Yeah. Uh, is that what you heard? I mean, I feel like the guy hasn't watched much Steph Curry basketball, if that's what he thinks.
2: Yeah, I can play a couple of plays to remind everybody what uh, he can do in late moments. I'll play a couple now.
0: Step on the sideline. It's seven and five and four. Curry to win. Good. Good. You have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way down to Oh, what a shot from Curry with six tenths of a
1: second remaining. The brilliant shooting of step curry. I remember that Sunday primetime game against Oklahoma City. I had it on tape for a couple of years. It was incredible. I mean, the guy. I, I says, Spence, who do you want the ball in your hands more if you had a list of 50 guys and you said, I trust this guy, no matter where he's at on the floor, to hit the biggest shot. Uh I think almost nine out of 10 times, you're going to give it to Curry over anybody you could think of.
2: It's a, it's a tough conversation. Uh, I'd probably rather have Kevin Durant than Steph Curry just because he's able to like, you literally just can't block his shot. I don't think it's physically possible. He's going to get a clean shot off no matter what. Other than that, I mean, Kyrie, maybe because Kyrie hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. You could say that as well. And then Steph's probably third, just because he's able to get separation so easily, especially off the screen. He's almost unguardable at that point. Steph is a hard player to talk about historically, right? He's by far the greatest shooter we've ever seen in the NBA. Like, no one's able to do what he does. But at the same time, and if there is another side of the argument, he doesn't affect the game in any other way, in a meaningful way, in my opinion. Doesn't rebound the ball, of course. He's only 6'4". He's not going to be able to do that. But we know guards are able to rebound the ball quite effectively. If you look at Russell Westbrook, he's truly not a great passer. I mean, just not impressive at all. I don't know what his assist to turnover ratio is, but I've never seen him make anything mind-boggling. And we all know that he's a sheep on defense. But even with all of that, I mean, you have to fundamentally change the way you play defense when he's on the court. Uh, he's only played with like star players like two other times and he's won championships on all of them so clearly the guy is going to be uh, up there on your all-time list but like he needs like he can't do it by himself as we've seen this season no matter like he's been spectacular so many over six games of 10 plus threes in a season no one's ever done that before but it doesn't always translate to winning simply because like when you look at lebron james he is able to make the big play on the other side of the court, bring the ball down and make that same big play. That's the difference for me.
1: Spence, I agree I disagree with you on quite a few of those things. I think you underestimate Curry as a rebounder, being his size. He's averaging five and a half rebounds a game this season, almost six assists a game. Uh, I think he's a fantastic passer, fantastic ball hander. I think he finishes at the rim better than most people would yeah. expect expect. I think no, no. he's got an all-around offensive game that's almost second to none. Uh, and I think his rebounding is underrated. And let me try to see if I can find uh, his lifetime stats as a rebounder. But this year, he's averaging almost six rebounds a game, which is would probably shock a lot of people. Um, but uh, so that being said, I think, um, I, I think Curry is – I think he's – his offensive game, his all-around offensive game is is just, I wouldn't say flawless, but it's it's up there. And, and he's first career, he is averaging almost five rebounds a game, six assists, so it's, it's pretty solid. It's not one or two. It's only a couple away from what Zion's averaging rebound-wise pretty much. Um,
2: Which is interesting I, for Zion.
1: Uh, Steph, Steph Curry is in my top ten. Uh, look, it's an objective All-time? list. All-time. Of course. But yeah. an objective list, everybody's opinion has validity in, in some capacity. I got in a, uh, a discussion with someone on Twitter about Magic Johnson, and they they thought it was ludicrous to, to put Steph Curry over Magic Johnson. It's ludicrous because in your opinion that Magic Johnson, which is not an opinion, it's fact, he did win finals MVP and a title in his rookie year without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Was Magic Johnson an elite passer? Did he have great size? Was he... In, He wasn't a great defender as far as I'm concerned. He had a little bit of length. He certainly wasn't a great shooter. His basketball IQ was off the charts. Are you going to tell me Steph Curry's basketball IQ is not off the charts? Are you telling me Steph Curry can't change the game single-handedly because of his ability to hit shots from anywhere on the court? Magic Johnson couldn't hit shots from anywhere on the court. So don't sit there on any capacity and give me crap because I picked Steph Curry over Magic Johnson. Maybe in your little fantasy world and your nostalgia, you love Magic Johnson so much because you're such a Lakers fanboy that you can't fathom the thought of little Steph Curry uh, with the Golden State Warriors being any better than your Uh, Precious Magic Johnson. Steph Curry's a a finals MVP, a three-time champion. And don't tell me Steph Curry choked. I've never seen Steph Curry choke anywhere. Uh, If Steph Curry missed two free throws down the stretch, that's a choke job. I've never seen that happen. Has he missed tough, contested shots in the past? Sure, but I've never seen on a big stage Curry choke. Am I missing something here, Spence? Do we need to go back and look at this on Google? Has Curry been perfect every time he's been in a big game? No, but he certainly hasn't choked like we've seen some people do in the past. And don't forget, he's won three titles, and I don't think he's done yet. The guy is – I don't – I'm sorry, I don't see – there's not a weakness in his offensive game as far as I'm concerned. He can do – when he's healthy, he can do what he wants, when he wants, anytime he wants. And maybe he's not a lockdown defender, but he, when he wants to be, he can be active and he can get his hands and contest uh, some, some passes in the lane or in passing lanes, and he can't be an effective defender at times. His size doesn't do him any favors, uh, but he's not a complete stiff defensively And I think people get lost in nostalgia and they don't really go in depth and watch many, many games and many, many plays of Steph Curry and how absolutely incredible and such a great shooter. And he can really – is not just a great shooter. He can score. He can finish at the rim. He's a fantastic free-throw shooter. Uh, The guy makes people better. And you remember the Durant, Draymond Clay – he he really did make a lot of good passes. He's unselfish as well, Spence.
2: Yeah, and it's I really I just hate doing Mount Rushmore arguments because first of all, uh, I have absolutely no idea like what it was actually. Uh, I can watch highlight videos of David Robinson, of Wilt Chamberlain, but I wasn't there to witness that. I didn't see it on TV. So I could look up Scottie Pippen's son's highlights of how good he was in college and stuff, and think that he's the greatest player of all time. Highlight tapes don't do anybody justice. It's Well, I watch basketball every single night, so I feel like I know pretty comfortable. So if you ask me to do a top 10 uh, Mount Rushmore in my lifetime, I feel like I could do that and I can give you a sound argument. I'm not going to compare him to uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas. What's the point? I mean, you're, not, you're just kind of – basketball is so different now, right? Like hitting 10 threes like 10 years ago wasn't even possible because guys didn't take enough shots. We're just seeing a new part of the game, man. Ultimately, what I think gets lost in these Mount Rushmores is appreciation. Appreciate what he's doing because we may not see another Steph Curry, and he has a long time left in his career, obviously. But we may not see another Steph Curry in 20 years because it's just he's just that good at what he does. Besides shooting, he is just an elite scorer as well. I think the only better scorer again is like Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Other than that, nobody. Well, James Harden
1: I'd put in there. James Harden's an elite scorer, and and I, I think James Harden's a great shooter. I think. As well, Uh, I think a lot of people aren't great shooters, Spence, to the capacity that they could make 10, 11 threes in a game. I mean, Steph's in in a category by himself as far as uh, 10 point or 10 made three point shots in this span of time. Look, uh, I think you hit it on the head. We should appreciate and respect what we're seeing because there's a likelihood that we don't see anything like it again for many, many years. There's going to be a lot, there's a lot of great talents, Jane. But what shooters, Spence, have you seen come? Into the draft in the last couple years, or that's coming down the pipe in college that you're like, this guy is just next level. I, I don't know of anybody.
2: No, I guess you could say the only possible one would be like Jason Tatum because he has that skill set, but he hasn't proven that he can do that just quite yet. But yeah, no one, no one in reality though.
1: Yeah, Jason Tatum's fantastic. Clay's fantastic. I still, I still personally, uh, Clay is is my favorite player, and I think Clay is the purest three point shooter. But that's just my that's just my opinion. Okay, I, I'm not saying Clay is better than Curry, um, but you know, both of them fully healthy. If you're giving me a wide open shot, my cho- choice would be Clay Thompson over the world. But that's just me personally. That doesn't mean someone else's opinion is wrong. And I'm not saying the guy that said Magic Johnson his opinion's wrong. But let's not sit here and, and bash other people's opinions when yours is objective and there's really nothing substantial that makes your opinion any better than mine. I mean, they were both championship MVP players that have done great things in their career. And we're watching one currently that's doing fantastic things. So uh, it's, it's very fun to watch Spence. We had a, a quite a bit of stuff we didn't get to tonight that we will get to Thursday. Some of those include Chet Holmgren, number one prospect Uh, of high school basketball that is committed to Gonzaga. Spence and I are going to talk about top 25 NBA players under 25. We'll get into that on Thursday and much more. So if you missed any part of the show live, uh, make sure you check out the podcast version of the show on any of the podcasting platforms. Landry Football Conference called The Rest Stop will be underneath there. Make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. Go to LandryFootball.com if you missed any part of the show to check out all the content on LantreeFootball.com. We'll see you back here on Thursday. For Spencer Ostrowski, I'm Brad the Believer. Have a great night, everyone.